This is the Gig Ready Podcast. Oh yeah, we're back. Jordan Goodfellow here, Joe Mack, riding sidecar. We are gig ready. We are getting there. We're excited for today. Don't forget, take two minutes, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, give us a couple of stars, shoot us a review, let us know that uh, you appreciate the Gig Ready Podcast, and uh, let us know what we can do better. If there's topics or subjects that you want to know about, hear about, discuss, uh, even the hard things, we want to know. We want to talk about what you want to hear, and we're really excited for everything that we've got coming. But today... We've got quite the treat for you. We have a lead scenic carpenter, owner of Chrome Productions out of Orlando, Florida, Chris Brenton. He's back. This is his second time on the podcast. Chris, great to have you here, buddy. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Joe. Hey, thanks, Jordan. It's a pleasure to be here again. I know we had a good one last time, and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting this turned back around so everything starts turning on, you know? That's right. We're looking forward to more scenic. We're looking forward to big sets and walls and everything that we need to put up in the air so that it looks great and looks beautiful and clean and finished. Um, You know, I wanted to talk about scenic carpentry because, especially in the corporate world, it takes such a front and center role. If you think about the scenic, uh, you know, many times people say, oh, I just We'll throw an LED wall up there or we'll put a a screen behind stage and make it a widescreen. And it's this big gray box that, you know, yes, it's filled with light, but there's no there's no dimension. There's no uh, feel per se. I mean, yes, you can put great, beautiful pictures on LED and on projection. But when it comes down to creating an experience, you really need the depth and the feel and the look of scenic, you need something that's going to create texture. Uh, you know, one one of our LD friends, and I'm sure that Joe can can add to this too. But he always talks about how texture can really turn any surface into something that is uh, more memorable than just a flat piece of sheet or something that is uh, something that is just a, a visible piece of art. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about scenic today. I think that the best place to start would be to look at what is a scenic carpenter? Um, what is your role on a project? And then, um, you know, how do you describe what your job is within relation to the whole team? All right. Well, a, a scenic carpenter is basically somebody that's been in the carpenter industry. Um, whether, whether they started out as a framer or a finished carpenter, um, but work their way in with somebody that was, say, um, a bungalow or at, at the time general scenery for me. Um, but so, I so met, you're saying, so you're saying as a framer, like you're talking like housing carpentry, yeah, yeah, and not a carpentry. Most, most, most you're going to see your set carpenters were doing some type of carpentry when they were younger, uh, uh, you know, or when they were first breaking in the business, because there you learn everything from angles to cuts, you know. Uh, the biggest thing I try to tell somebody is they got to be good with wood. I mean, that's that's the like you said, the texture feel, most of our stuff was flats, you know, back in the day or even nowadays. But I started out as a, as a, as a finished carpenter. Um, I worked my way when I was 15 years old with my uncle on sites um, as a, he was a general contractor, uh, worked with him, learned how to, how to ease a saw, how to use, you know, a drill, stuff like that. I, I would say basic 
construction industry stuff is what can get you into being a, a set carpenter. Okay. Now, that being said, there is a lot of specifics um, for set carpenter compared to housing or other carpentry because our, our, our field is way different when it comes to what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. So, you know, each application, whether it's construction is one way as a Got set it. builder, it's totally different. So, so, so I, it's, I would, it's general application of understanding wood, understanding cuts, angles, proper, you know, don't use a nail there. You use a screw the, that, that sort of thing, but then you're getting more finite in the detail, flats, scenic, pre-built stuff that goes together. Skinning flats, for instance, is, is a is a pretty complicated process of, of you know, right. tightening fabric and all that sort of stuff when you're putting white fabric or anything else on on flats. And, and, I, and I'll say this too, like you get into that, the soft good aspects of it, um, that that's huge. I had to learn on the fly on that um, when I got to general scenery years ago. You know, I, I wrapped flats for pretty much three quarters of a year. So, yeah. you know whether you're doing a, a graphic on a flat or just wrapping screens or whatever. So that, that's a, that's a whole, you know, separate thing, but I, I, I pertain as a set carpenter, you have to have a little bit of a, a lighting aspect and an audio aspect in your back, back of your mind, because when you're building these, you know, a, you're not part of the lighting designer's package. You don't know what he's exactly going to do, but you still have to think about like the angles and how we're going to do this and how it goes together, where a seam is going to sit, you know, depending yeah. on what the set is. So I feel like this, the set carpenter has to be a jack of all trades, um, but we're a master of the actual set. So yeah. I, I feel like it, if you have a background like I did where I worked, I worked as, you know, a lighting hand, an audio hand, that helps tremendously when you're trying to figure out exactly what, what you're trying to do with the set. But a lot of times you have constraints too, like your client is going to want it a certain way. So you're, you're building it basically to their, their set design. Team, you made, so. you made a really good point there that, that the, you know, the scenic uh, side of things needs to be thinking about other departments. Um, I often have gotten into situations where the, you know, you show up and they've pre-built all the flats and they flip, they fit floor to ceiling and there's no room <laughs> right. you know, to pop something over the top. Hey, I, well, where am I going to put my backlight? Uh, you know, on the drawing, it looked like there was another couple feet above above the wall. For, for right, but you're right at the ceiling. Something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've I've done it. I've walked in rooms and it's like, uh, okay, now where's my grid? <laughs> you know, they put an entire roof underneath right. the grid, and suddenly you're having to cut holes and shoot lights through. So it's it's a it's a very very important topic. How does yeah, it? And Big things I used to do is the pre-production meetings. Like, you know, we're, we're building these sets out months in advance. So I'd like to be on a call, even if it was an audio call or a lighting call, just because, you know, they might be thinking one thing and I'm thinking another with the set. And then I can I can adjust the set the way we do it, you know, whether it's jacked from the back or it's hanging off a truss or something like that. I pride myself on finding things that other people maybe not looked at and said, well, let me, let's talk to a, I talked to my TD, whether, you know, it was Mark or Michael chance or, or Jordan and say, yo, this is what we might run into. What do you think about that? And then they would get with the lighting designer and they'd figure it out and we'd come up with a solution. So everybody knew what's up and nobody was like, got last second. Oh my God, what are we going to do? So, yeah. Well, and then that, I mean, that comes in with working with the overall designer, 
Uh, I mean, Joe, Joe, of course, you also have tons of experience working with designers who have these really cool, great designs that when we put them and bring them into reality, we realize the, <laughs> the, well, that's, that's why my, you know, my time as a scenic designer and, uh, you know, first coming into the industry and, and in college, I was a scenic designer and, and lighting was a secondary thing to me, but <clears throat> I've, I've now applied all that I know about scenic and, and I take that into account when I'm, when I'm doing lighting. Yeah. Anytime I'm, anytime I come up with a design, I'm always thinking of the scenic and the, the audio and where projectors are going to be and where, where everything is going to be really, you know, having that whole encompassed vision um, is always going to make every show better than, than trying to just do it and live in a bubble. Yeah. Um, so, well, and in a lot of ways, I mean, scenic, the scenic guys are going to touch almost every truss, especially in a, like if you're in a ballroom show and you're doing, you're doing uh, uh, truss runners and you're doing, I mean, they're going to touch every piece of, every piece of truss that's in the air they're going to touch yeah pretty much everything on the ground if they're building the stage and we're not using a house stage i mean they have to deal with front fills uh yeah. ground lights they have to deal with uh you know if there's projection on the stage if there is side screens and dealing with drape and if there is any number of things that are there so um it, it's a hundred percent true um jack of all trades then because uh, there's a lot of trades involved in that how are you managing projects from start to finish? Yes, you're on calls. Yes, you're, um, you know, you're you're getting designs. You know, you're working with the designer. Um, you know, give me a quick thirty second synopsis on. Hey, if we're looking at a project, here's where we start, and then here's where we get to right when we're about to get on site. Right, and and yeah, basically what we do is we'll get in a. Um some type of rendering. Most of the time, it won't be the full plans ready from the beginning. Give me some basic numbers. Tell me what you think it's going to cost. On um, me and you, have even talked about that a few times. Like, hey, I need some preliminaries. Give me some preliminaries, and that's where you start. Um, then, as it gets more into, hey, we're going to get the show. Here's our detailed plans. I need you to, to give me a final number on what it's going to be and what you think, and you know how are we building it, whether it's a hanging, you know, hanging flat on a truss or we're doing jacks or, you know, we might have height constraints, stuff like that, you know, so we'll get you a final, a final proposal in or a revised proposal off of our original estimate. Um, And then of course, then there's always banner back and forth with the designers and the clients and how much they want to spend. I mean, I can't tell you how many times you run into a half million dollar show. It turns into a $30,000 show by the time you're done. So I think we've all run into that, but anyways, and then then you get on site and then they want the hundred thousand dollar back and you're like, Oh, it's not going to work that way. But anyways, um, trying to get on the best bang for their buck too. You know, I try to work with people, whether it's we're including LEDs into a flat or it's a whole flat to set design. Um, and then we go into build. Uh, it seems like our lead time for builds over the last year and a half before the pandemic got smaller and smaller and smaller and people weren't making decisions till last minute to even to the point where you're like, I don't know if I can get this done. If you don't get me a num, you know, get me an answer on this by tomorrow. You know, it, it really got crazy. The amount of changes that, that either the technical designer and the technical director and the client couldn't get together on and do. And it was becoming a problem because our build times, it takes time to build flats. So, and then, you know, we like to have, I, I got to tell you the truth. I like to have 30 days build time. That gives me time if there's a quick last minute change or if we got to change a graphic, I got time to get a graphic change, stuff like that. Um, and then usually 
10 days out, I like to have a final meeting with the designer or the technical director or somebody to say, okay, here's where we're at. Here's everything we're doing. We're on schedule. If you can come to my shop and do a shop visit, that's great. If you can't, I can zoom you. I can, I can show you, Hey, here's where we're at. Um, and then of course, you know, we're loading trucks usually four or five days out from a show. Um, there was some that we were sharing trucks, but for the most part, we use our own trucks, you know, and then, you know, two days, depending on where we're going, it's usually a couple days before the truck leaves. Um, we have myself or somebody or whoever the lead's going to be as flies out install is, you know, that's the other, that's the other critical mass, as you know, is how much time do we have to install this? What, what are our limitations? Get on site, we install it. You know, usually we're waiting on trust, so we get put behind, and then it's like, you know, it's the carpenter's fault, everything's bad, but, you know, it's usually, it's not. I know it's not. It's just, we call that, we call that hashtag waiting on scenic. Yes. I call it hashtag <laughs> waiting on the trust guy to put his trust up. You know, that's, that's the key. Like, I try to, I waited eight hours for the trust. I can't just, the, the flats don't magically appear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Or the best is, is they got the truss laid out and I'm trying to wrap a 20 by 80 foot screen. And like, they're like, can't you just wrap it over there? Yeah, sure. I can. There's like 800 pounds of truss all in my way, but it's okay. We make it work. But, but anyways, I always try to make it so I can catch time up, but um, yeah, you know, then you get the install um, client um, walkthroughs. We get our final list there and, you know, either usually the second day after our first day of build clients will go through and then we have our, our little cheat walks like, Hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. You know, touch this up. Yeah. Um, a lot of shows, if, if they don't have the budget, they don't have the lead carp stay on. Um, I always say that's a mistake. And why I say that is, is the money that you spend for a lead carp to be there on your set days, he might not do anything, but there's that one time that one time he could have saved you uh, uh, money, a money and B time. And, you know, uh, I always say, if anything, the lead carp can also ASM. I I've done it millions of times. I I've had huh. to get a Bible handed to me. I'm doing stage, right, stage left, whatever, you know, I'm I, anybody, any lead carp that says they wouldn't do that for you. Shouldn't even be in the industry in my opinion, but you know, I've always helped or, or been, you know, whatever you need. Hey, we're here. That's why we're here. You know, but, how many times I can't say that I've saved something that a client wanted and would have been very disappointed and would have hurt. I maybe future shows that we were able to build right on because it was last minute um, is amazing. If I could stress that calling, it, it would calling help. all water plinths, calling all yes. water plinths. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Or man, I really think this would look cool like this. I, I don't know how many times I'm out back wrapping, wrapping one by four to make some kind of crazy co configuration out of dude. So, uh, you know, um, I know now, Jordan's uh, done it before. So, uh, all, all, uh, tools and building requirements aside, what, um, what kind of like project management softwares or tools are you using on the, the, the project management side of things? Um, are you a Vectorworks guy? Are you CAD? Yeah. Are you well? I'm, the I do them all. I, I have I have auto. I, I was AutoCAD trained. I trained myself on it actually. Um, my son, who's my partner, kind of in this, is went to when he was in school. He got certified through CAD, but everybody went to Vectorworks. So 
we've been doing a lot of vector works and I've trained myself on my aspect of what I need for vector works. I use a lot of corral draw for all my shop drawings. Um, it seems to help. So especially deck layouts, stuff like that, or flat layouts. Cause a lot of times the clients want to know, well, how the flat's going to sit or, or the, the designer mainly, I should say, wants to know how that is and how it's going to lay out and stuff like that. So for most of my shop drawings, I'm not going to build that in vector works. I'll just build that in either corral or AutoCAD and transfer it over as a PDF to them. So, do you ever do you ever uh, jump the fence and and do the actual scenic design for a, I for have, a client? I have myself, I haven't gotten into that, but I would like to. Um, I like doing that. Everybody I've talked to that done it loved it, loved doing it. Um, their biggest thing was is clients' expectations and then what their budget is. You know, so you, you here you are, you're spending hours and upon hours building this elaborate, amazing looking set, and then they come back to you like, "Well, we need to get rid of all that. Let's do a screen and uh, some drape and call it a day." You know, so. I, I like the build aspect. I'm going to tell you the truth. That's my main deal. I love the build. I love building crazy killer sets. You know, like one time I did a cracker barrel. I did the entire front of a cracker barrel, including their, their doors and everything out of flats. So, wow. you know, cool. that kind of, that's awesome. So, I love that. Yeah. Or, or us foods. We, we did so much in that one, Jordan. Remember that fun? So yeah. Us foods was really cool with all of the upstage scenic pieces that they did where they were, um, they were like those, yeah. those vertical, uh, those vertical, yeah. like the 20 foot tall flats that were all, um, overlapped, I guess, but they were, and then it gave that depth and it gave yeah, that, the that entrance feel. and then they, and everything got lit up from the bottom and it was, yeah. it was really cool. It was a great looking, it was a great looking and it set. Was a, that was a huge set. We were that whole West convention center. We were, we were pretty big on that. So correct. And, and then of course you have everything from traveler tracks to, you know, turntables. We do all that too. So, I mean, you know, the, the biggest other thing is, is then, um, getting in and getting out of the ballrooms for us is huge. Um, you know, set our set, you know, a lot of times as lighting designer and audio designer and stuff like that, you know, your case sizes and dimensions and getting in and out is hard. But a lot of times with our sets, you know, especially with the crazy configuration of the flats, you know, people don't think about on their site survey, can I get these flats around the corner? Can I get it up to where we're going to be? Maybe we're on the fourth floor of this hotel and we got to take an elevator that's a 15 foot elevator and we got 20 foot yeah. set pieces. How are we going to do that? So, oh, dude, yeah. Pretty- we, we, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was going to say that brings up a great point that what what's your favorite way to build? Is it, uh, you know, having the, the building blocks and building it on site or is it having a finished piece that you can just walk in the door and put up? I want as much done as I can. It's plug and play, um, almost like a Lego set. You know, uh, I do like modular when we do the modular construction, like the flats, but they're already like pre-wrapped where we're just putting them together. And the, the time that kills us on site is wrapping, but you know, especially if you got a crew that can't, doesn't know how to wrap, you know what I'm saying? Like I, you basically, I'm one person. If I got a crew of 10 and one guy knows how to wrap, uh, you know, or they're taking their gloves and grabbing the white muzz, you know, <laughs> that type of stuff. And then the next thing you have black fingerprints everywhere and you're like, what's going on, you know, but I, I like to have it as much done as humanly possible. It saves so much time. Yeah. I mean, I can't stress how easier it is to, you know, if I got a flat in there and I can, I can make it. So the truck pack, so this stuff will they'll travel. I mean, Jordan's seen it, uh, you know, all my TDs have seen it. Very rarely do we have stuff that, that didn't, that came out and they were like, Oh my God, we've got to totally rebuild, you know? So, well, I can say um, as a technical director, I prefer as much to be built 
before you get there as possible. I mean, if you're, if you know, if you're putting some flats together, cleaning up some seams and things like that, but as long as there's the space to get it in, I mean, that, I think that's one of the things I always appreciated about you guys coming in from Scenic Works was the, you know, I, we could get in most buildings in Orlando, I can get a 20 by eight flat in the door full size and we just roll it in and it comes in. Or, I mean, even we've seen, um, Oh, I don't remember if it was you or if it was somebody else who was bringing flats up the eleva- the escalators on a job. Oh, we brought the, that was us. Was that yeah, that brought, was you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah it was it was like twelve or sixteen foot flats yep. coming up escalators up to the second floor in the hotel. Like I, I, coming through the lobby, they pulled around and they brought it right in the front door and right up. I the pulled them, I pulled them up the fire escapes once. <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, that was more of a uh, a site survey gone bad, but um even, you know, like, like you, Jordan, you know, the more you got done, the easier it is, especially if you're doing multiple rooms, let's say, or you got, you got set changes, stuff like that. It just makes life so much easier. Now, screen wise, the smaller the screen, the better pre-wrap, but if you get bigger screens, it's easier just to wrap them on site. Don't get me wrong. So, um, is as, as a labor standpoint, I mean, uh, you're a Finnish carpenter, so understanding, there's a lot of technical pieces that come to that. What, I mean, all of that comes into play when you're figuring out, like, what do you charge as a scenic carpenter? Um, what are the, what are all of the the variables that you believe come into play when you're looking at what you're going to charge for labor on a scenic job? You mean, you mean for like a, on the labor aspect of guys? Or? Yes, exactly. Yeah, for, for crew, whether as a scenic carpenter yourself or other people that are going to come out and work for you, you know, how are you, how are you building that? Are you just saying, oh, well, they're super oh, specialized, oh. so, you know, big dollars. Well, no, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right offhand, I, I assume that my crew is not going to know anything. I'm gonna t- unless it's a union crew, don't get me wrong. And even then, sometimes you're like, oh, my God. But for the most part, you, I try to find out who who you got for your labor. Oh, I got so-and-so. I'm like, okay. So I realized right then and there that I need to make this as um, carpentry for dummies as I can, if that makes sense. And, I, and that's, not a, that's not a hit against anybody. But I, I'm telling you right now, I know how hard it is to try sometimes to get your labor because it changes so much so getting a good carp is hard i could uh, see I you walking into a gig a chris chris i could totally see you walking into a gig with a big yellow shirt that looks just like those such and such for dummies covers yes. on a book that says carpentry for dummies carp- I, you might see me in that you never know <laughs> i do t-shirts now too so anyway you should have have the picture of a hammer picture of a saw you know yeah point to what, go get one of these <laughs> if you can match if you can match the name to the item you can be on my crew <laughs> can you get the t-shirt that's awesome so, well and but, I, no, but, from a labor but, standpoint know, i'm more yeah. talking about you as a carpenter so like if you're coming right. out as a scenic carpenter you know you have your standard day rate 10 hours ot after 10 etc you know, i'm not coming out for less than 25 30 an hour of course so, that's a, and you're factoring in all of your expertise, all yeah, of your experience, tools. you know, understand, you know, I'm not going to just hand a skill saw to somebody and be like, here you go, go cut this up for me, please. So. Right. <laughs> uh, like I said, 25 is my low and that's easy set. If it's, if it's anything higher, 30, 35 is standard. And so, to me, I'd, re- I'd like my carps to get paid 35 and all yeah. if they're on the carp call, because if they're bringing their tools and they know what they're doing. That's going to save all of us yeah. a ton of time. I and can hand I was them off. Say, if, if, 
if somebody brings their own tools, is there a, is there a rate bump or is there an increase on that? No, I mean, when we're doing like for local labor, no, it's there. My guys, I always told them, you need to have a drill. I want you to have a tape measure. I want you to have a level. Um, a tool belt would be great. Um, a hammer, you know, the basics. That's just the big. I, I always have in my road box, my carp road boxes, a ton of a ton of uh, box cutters, a ton of five and ones, you know, um, nips, stuff like that. Stuff stuff that you're gonna hand out. And if I don't get it back, oh well, it's part of my it's part of my package that I put in there, you know. But but for the most part, that's what I was saying is. Um, I worked a lot with 631 here in Orlando and it's an amazing, amazing um, local. Um, those guys, I can actually hand them a plans and tell them where the stuff is and I can go on to something else. Um, locally wise, there are some crews that you can get that you can do that. That's just a regular freelance stagehand, you know, carp guy. And I know who they are. So if I know they're on my call, a lot of times I find out the company and I'll call them. Hey, are you on this call? Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. I know you're coming to me. You know, like that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, our local, also, our local 28, our local 28 guys are exactly the same way. You can, you can just hand them a plan and, and walk away nine times out of 10. They're, they're and they fantastic. like it better that way. They like yeah, it better. Exactly. Than Tell me the order you need it and how you need it done. Yeah. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not dumping on the freelance side because there, there are a lot of good guys out there that do that too. For so, sure. Uh, um, but the big thing is with unions is people say is I got to pay more. So you yeah, know, you got, you well, got other and, aspects. Too. And in a lot of ways, but though, you get what you pay for. Yes, yeah. you do. You really do. Carpentry is probably, I would say one of the most underserved uh, aspects or professions within the live events industry because they're a lot harder to find. I mean, honestly, Chris, you're only one of half a dozen set carpenters that I know that are actually freelance that, that will come and do something that's not directly tied to a very specific scenic company, um, somewhere in the country. And yeah. so, um, I mean, honestly, I think that they're a little bit more difficult to find. You know, I can find a video guy in almost every city I go to if I need to. I can find a lighting guy in almost every city I go to. I can find an audio guy in almost any city I go to. I cannot sit here and someone were to call me and say, hey, I need a scenic carpenter in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't know anybody that I'd have right. to make at least three to four calls, you know, right. and find out. So I think that there's a lot of specialization there. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of skill. So it takes skill to be, to be a, I mean, gosh, work on your own house for a week and you'll realize that being a carpenter is, <laughs> isn't all it's cracked up to be. It's a definitely, it's definitely, a you know, when you're good at it, you make it look easy type That's, of thing. But I, feel, dude, but I feel that on anything. I feel a good, good audio, a good lighting guy makes every, they make it look easy. Yes. You know, if they're good, they make it look easy, but it isn't. Joe Mack you know? makes, look, makes programming a hog tour or hog. Gosh, I can't believe I just said hog. I'm sorry, Joe. I just hey, insulted what, your what century are we in? <laughs> I was like, Joe makes, makes programming an MA2 or an MA3 look like child's play. And then I walk up to it and I'm looking at all the buttons and everything else. And I'm like, oh why is this God. flashing? <laughs> I, I always put a, uh, a theater for him that's labeled PhD. It says push here dummy. <laughs> That's basically what it boils down to. Where you can do anything and it won't hurt it. Yeah, yeah. And Joe just, he's playing Space Invaders. That's what, that's just. No, not my gag. Not my gag. Like I said, I I really feel that as a a set carpenter, like you said, um, I got to know everything. You know, I got to know aspects of everything. Not that I need to be super specific, but. 
we were I, I'm always trying to help the lighting guy because he needs to he needs to focus. You know, that's yep. that's our key. I don't want him sitting there at 4 a.m. focusing. I want him to get it done as fast as they can. I want to have my stuff up and out of their way. You know, right. I can touch up the next day. So what uh, we were talking about tools a minute ago. What are what are three things that you need um, on every show? Um, I need a saw. I need a drill and I need a good hammer. Okay. Saw, drill, hammer. I love that. Concise, a good hammer. A good not, hammer. With the, not with the little waffle on it. It has to be flat because I can't hit a waffle and expect like you're just not going to see like a dent. Good point. <laughs> okay. How many times so do you say, Chris, can you move this a little bit? I, I say, well, when are you going away for lunch? What about 20 minutes. Okay, I'll see you when you get back. <laughs> and it's moved. Just don't ask me how. <laughs> So before the before the show, we were we were talking a little bit um, about COVID and how things are being affected in the industry um, in regards to labor and lumber prices and um, you know how processes in in loading in and uh, tell us tell us what you're seeing. Uh, you just came off of a gig this week. Um, what are you seeing from the scenic side of things, uh, what what to expect post post COVID once we're well, back? Well, right off the bat, you're talking about um, prices. Uh, prices are skyrocketing. Like we said, like we were talking before, I was joking. I said a four by eight sheet of OSB, man, I, I can trade that right now for a Corvette. So you know, coming out of this budgets, I know that everybody's talking about like, wow, we're gonna have these elaborate sets and budgets. Be prepared because there's there's labor or i'm um, sorry lumber prices have doubled if not tripled so a price of let's say a two by four a pressure treated two by four before just to give you an instance might have been six dollars they're running anywhere from 12 to 13 dollars you know so so and getting materials that's your other part there's your other there's your other thing is is trying to get you know hey you might this week they might have one by six that you make the flats on it next week they might not so you have to figure out that aspect of cost. So you're going to see more of your bidding go to like, well, if I got to go to two by four, this I'm going to have to bid it like a two by four in case I can't get a one by six price, you know, that, that type of stuff. I see you're going to see a lot of that. Um, you know, I live in Oregon. The, I live in Oregon. We're surrounded by trees. So we got lots of wood. Right. But the problem, <laughs> is, but the problem is, is they can't get the resins to make the, the OSB boards. So that's, that's what really the problem is. That, it's so not that we don't have lumber. Is that the supply chain challenge right now? They don't have the chemicals and the stuff they need to make to oh, yeah. properly make the stuff. Is that where it comes from? That's that's what we're hearing down here. I mean, okay. you know, it's crazy. Even in the the housing industry, I I, I went into doing construction while we're down. You know, I, I I still have my trim carpentry business. Um, the biggest thing we're hearing is you can't get windows or you can't get what the glazing material to make the windows. You know, it's it's not necessarily that you don't have everything. You don't have one thing. So, you know, it, depending on what your set is, you know, it, you might have to just, we might have to do a little swerve and figure out how we're going to build it with a different material. Maybe go to a, a metal, like we used to do aluminum frame instead of a, yeah. a, a wood frame, which adds cost, but you know, we can get that, you know, that there's going to be a lot of, have to be a lot. I feel after the pandemic, this breaks, we're going to have to have a lot of give and play. Like it can't be as rigid as it was before the pandemic where the designer's like, no, I just want this. Okay, well, we can't get this. 
you know, and it's not the fact that you're going to go to somebody else that, cause I can't get it cause they can't get it either. It's where, how do we, how do we work this? So everybody's working more in the same ideas instead of just the client wanting it and the designer wanting it, but yet we can't make that happen that way, but we can do it this way. Before do you have any, a lot of closed minded. Do you have any, uh, go to like, um, strategies to to plan for that like when you have a client say i want x and you know how much is that going to cost and you say i can't provide x because i can't find x uh right. you know how how are you gonna do you do you already have like ideas a, about workarounds and like yeah yeah because materials you know, or right Let, let's take for instance if you want to do a wood flat okay right now we can't get wood flats if you said let's just for, hypothetically so we're trying to build a wood flat so instead we go to a, a one inch aluminum tube for the frame still skinned with wood that we can wrap, you know, that type of thing. There's always a plan B don't get me wrong, but a lot of times before the pandemic, because the way our industry was, everybody was very rigid of how they wanted it. Like, no, no, we need it to be this. Okay. Well, after the pandemic until whatever the supply chains are getting better, which is happening all around, um, they got, we all need to work together on it to say, yep, well, we can't really get that supply, but we can do this, you know, and, and work around it and make it so that everybody works together more. I feel it's going to help be more, not as rigid as it was before. Before it was very client driven, no matter what, this is what we want. Now, after pandemic, there's going to have to be a lot of give and take on how we're doing it. Not necessarily that we, we're still going to produce what you want. It's how we're producing it. Yeah. So I feel that's going to be huge in our industry because I'm hoping the clients realize just like with our industry being shut down for as long as it was, there's not there's not as many of us out there as there was for it's sure. True. But senior companies, think of all the senior companies that have gone under since we we did all this. You know, people have sold, people have closed down. One burned down that I know of. You know, like um, so. You know, and the other thing is, is how are we going to get overwhelmed? You know, it's going to be if everything goes from nothing to 100, it's going to be hard to make those sets. And there's not other people to go to, you know, so it, uh, we need more. Well, lead times. We need more. OK, we're going to get you the half down now. That way you can get started or, or at least get it, get a contract in. Because a lot of times they were waiting for contracts, you know, three weeks before a show and then wondering, well, why is it hard for you to get it done? You know, that type of stuff. So more do you more, have. Do you have production partners that you work with nationally um, as far as like other companies, other scenic companies? That way, in case you do get overwhelmed, for instance, uh, you know, say Florida opens up way before everybody else and you've got you've got X amount of shows that you have to do. Do you have production partners that you can lean on? On yeah, you know, in states across the country, and just have right, stuff yeah. shipped in. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, um, I know, like, there's a bunch of companies like Southwest Scenic's pretty big out in the Phoenix area. You know, they're they're pretty huge in that whole West Coast. I mean, I could probably call them up right away and say, Hey, we got this. Can you help us out? I mean, they're still out there. I'm just saying, is the amount that were there before isn't there. So you know, sure. And and, and the in the whole like, you know, what's going to happen when the floodgates open? They're going to open. It's not a matter of when or if it's a matter of when and when it does happen, you know, are we all going to be overrun? So it'd be great if we could do some type of, you know, hey, we're looking, you know, if if there was some way a client could say, hey, we're really looking like like we were talking before the show that everybody's talking about P1 and 2022 or Q2 here, you know, like if we could start getting an idea 
that would help out with that phase of it. Now, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. We're going to go zero to a hundred and it's going to be balls at a wall and everybody let's go. So, you know, so anyway, I'm ready for it. Um, I've been ready for it. I keep in touch. Like you were saying, like you guys were talking, I still keep in touch with a lot of people. I, I put yeah. out there every couple of weeks, talk to guys. Hey, I know we don't have anything, but there are possibilities. There are this. I want you to be ready. And that helps out a lot. I do know of a lot of people that can come on real quick too. And I can up ramp up my shop size too if I need to quick. I've looked into that stuff. I have all these contingencies for when this does go. That way we can make it work. Because I got a feeling that when it does, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. And we're Is all it also be- something is it also something you can bring in people from the actual housing industry and, and other trade? industries to, yeah. to help get yeah, because, that bill because basic construction of flat like flat stuff like that is basic basic carpentry, carpentry knowledge so yeah you can i can i've already talked to a lot of the guys that i have out in the field and hey you can come on with us and you know we can you know you can make a lot of money and it can be good and it's going to be hectic and crazy and busy but we can do it and, and you know we were doing that anyways because with the industry the way it was you're always trying to bring people in and bring people out you know for every 10 you got you might get three that are awesome and the other ones are going to be in and out you know they're going to go where the money is stuff like that so um but you're right yeah i can always bring in more that's not a problem it's because i think i think your your department as far as departments go is the one that crosses over better than any other department you know audio you have to have an audio background lighting right. you have to have an lighting background video same thing but i think i think as a carpenter it's still just carpentry right at the end of the right. day it's still just carpentry so so you can fill those gaps i think better than any other department yeah. um, right w- yeah, if yeah. you do get overwhelmed which is it's yeah. nice it must be help you sleep at night anyway <laughs> well yeah, yeah yeah until it happens I, I still go crazy but but right um, that's what I had a small shop when I started this after I, uh, general scenery sold, Selby sold. Um, so, you know, we're going to expand it and expand it and expand it. I'm just, it's like I said, it's not, my overhead wasn't bad, so we're able to survive it. So I can't imagine what it's like for the bigger companies that have a huge overhead that, that can't, you know, that didn't survive. I feel bad for them actually, but yeah. you also have stuff too. Like um, if I need to compensate and have more guys in, I can, I can do deals with like 631 and have them bring in carpenters and, you know, we hire the, we'll hire them or freelance or, or whoever, but you know, um, we, we do that because of busy seasons we've done that even at when i worked at general scenery we had where we brought people in so i started out just as a carpenter with selby but i worked my way up where i was actually running the entire show working with the clients taking it from conception all the way through build to take it out so i've seen all of it and i've seen his inner workings of what he does when you know it gets busy or it gets slow how do you how do you revolve it how do you take care of your people how do you how do you how do you how do you juggle eight shows in a week? You know, that type of stuff. So yeah, that was yeah. huge. That experience alone for me was I'll, I'll, I'm in debt to Selby for the rest of my life. He's like a father to me. I, I appreciated everything him and Chris McCarthy and all them did there because I learned so much about the industry from them. And they trusted me to be able to go out there with Jordans and with my, the, the chances and with the marks and, and go and just, you know, they put they put it on me to be able to make these shows work and i felt like i got so good at it that it was time for me to start my own so yeah no that's great what do you like the most about being a scenic carpenter compared to what really? else you could be 
really awesome stuff you get to build and do and people you meet and you know you think about it like i was telling you a lot of times when i'm on a set after we get the build done and i'm there the rest of the week a i'm babysitting it but b you get the asm so you might you might get to meet you know the talent that's coming in to do like the, the show or you know the speakers and stuff like that and get to interact with them for me the best part is is like you'll get a client a, the clients, or B, even the talent that come in and never seen their stuff on a big screen or had never seen a set before like that. And they came in and, you know, I, I tell the Gary Sinise story a lot. Um, we had his Lieutenant Dan Band, I think it was at a public show. And we had these gigantic screens that were, you know, uh, sites that we hung. They were huge. I mean, huge. The whole, the, taking up the whole ballroom. And he, I, I didn't know it was him. He was behind me talking. I had never seen my intro on something this big. And that to me was like, we did that, you know, that to me is building something cool where we did that. And the client is super happy and wants to do something even bigger next year. Yeah. So the build and, so that, and, and when you sit and look at it and you're like, wow. And then you see the lighting hit and you wonder how that was going to look. And it, you know, it might be something mapped even that, that comes up on a shape you did. So uh, to me, that's awesome. I love building crazy stuff. Yeah. What is the, uh, what's the toughest job you've ever done? Ah, toughest job man there's so many of them uh i want to say wrapping curved screens and getting them to lay flat enough for projections not going stir crazy so i might have a 20 foot high by let's say 60 foot long but it's maybe on a five degree curve type of thing and trying to figure out how to make the muslin wrap without pulling all your aluminum in and without making it look, you know, like, Oh my God, look at that corner. It looks like the guy's face is falling off. Like he's, he's got something wrong with him, you know? And I've had a few of them where we've, we've gotten in, in done some on-site engineering once we got them up. Um, also rigging. Um, there's a rigging aspect to being a carpenter, uh, from hanging flats. Um, the, the craziness of making sure your rigging's right for all your, uh, what you're pulling up and what you're using and making sure that your, your rigging aspect is good with the head rigger so that he knows weight aspects. We're not, we're not overloading trusses, stuff like that. My biggest fear is always that somebody's going to get hurt because of my set, whether it falls over or something happens because a, we didn't take weights into consideration or, or how we're doing it. Um, knock on wood. I've never had an issue. I've never had a set fall. I've never had any problems like that. Um, drape wise, anything like that. Cause I'm extra cautious. I want weight on it. I want, I want to make sure I'm extra rigged. I want to make sure they know the weights. I want to know how it goes together. So, um, but that's the hardest part is figuring out how do I make it work? How do I make it safe? How do I make it so that, you know, I've had it where I've had to do somebody on a lift that came up through a, a, a 12 foot high onto a round deck with a DJ playing. And it was a CEO who was scared of heights. So how do I make them feel comfortable going up, going up on this lift where a handle where literally I had to hold their hand while they're going up, you know, that type of stuff. So, um, Somebody I think should have thought that through. Yeah. Yeah. We had one where it was a, uh, they, they had like a drum core thing and, um, they wanted them to come in like on a wheel and they were rolling, you know, like they saw it in the Macy's parade. Well, it sounds great. And then they didn't want to have, um, 
real stage hands. They go, well, we got these band kids. We'll let them push the CEO that's in this contraption that's rolling. That if it rolls over, it's like the tire, you know, and then they're face first on the floor. Well, eventually, they ended up bringing in more stage hands to push the, the, the roll, the actual mechanism. So, you know, that type of stuff. So I, I, I have night sweats about that kind of stuff. So um, as we, we wrap things up here, um, what are what are two things that I can do to uh, what's what what, I can, what can I do next time so that I'm more gig ready as a scenic carpenter um, moving forward? One is planning. Um, the biggest part of me is planning ahead giving enough time for as a scene carpenter to do what you, that what the client wants done as his vision planning and time together as one is, is huge. Um, we were, didn't seem like we were getting enough of that before the pandemic. Hit. It's, it was getting tighter and tighter and tighter timelines. Um, the second thing I could say is, is um, spare no expense on your labor. Um, when it comes to the carps, if I need seven carpenters, I need seven carpenters i don't need one carpenter and three people that were loaders an hour ago um it's the hardest the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing for the technical directors and the clients to understand is pay the little extra to get the good carpenters even if you don't pay it in the other stuff like pay it there it's sort of like as an ld you know you want a couple people that that no lighting like give me at least two guys at no lighting that way i can they can they can get the rest of them going you know um i used to pride that my guys all my carpenters brought tools that's the big thing you know so pay the little extra for good help because i'm only one person so i can't make everything I, i'm not a miracle worker i can be but you know without the good help it's going to be way tougher on everybody from from uh, starting out, even with the rigging, if it's what we got to do for setting up to the lighting, to the audio, because if, if, if my time goes into your time, everything backs up into rehearsals. And then everybody's crunching out last minute when we don't need to be. And it's really just because we didn't have good labor. Yeah. So extra planning. For, extra five, planning, six bucks an hour. And, gets you gets you something better. And, and that, I mean, that is a lot of times an oversight when, you know, let's, let's, let's cut a flat or let's cut something out of the scenic itself versus cut the labor because you're right. As a technical director, I'm on your butt all the time. I'm like, dude, we're coming up on, you know, 5 yeah. PM and I got to get, and you're like, sorry, there's nothing. I, I mean, I, I right. had to wrap 30, 20 foot by eight yeah. foot flats in an hour. I mean, yeah, like, and, and, and the guy that's looking at me to wrap the flats with me is like, I've never looked, what is this? I'm like, that's a stapler. <laughs> <laughs> you know? that is an air but, compressor that is a stapler that is an air it, compressor hose yeah right that, and, and i know it sounds trivial but it's not i mean that is no. so huge it is so huge you know or, or the or the or they want the elaborate set and they want it in one day I, this is a like i'll tell them pre-production this is a two-day set so what are we going to do it, it yeah. you know um can i can i say one quick thing yeah um what what we started to see as a trend in the industry was scenic either the night before like they had like you know how you have the rigging call like they would have the rigging call during the day and then scenic would get its basic elements that night before your main calls that saved a lot of people a ton of time okay so you might pay a little extra if it's an over midnight call um on the labor side 
but it's going to save you on the on the on the other side when we're getting all your yeah. main stuff in. Well, at, least, at least your main elements. If you got hangers and stuff like that, the deck. So then lighting gets set up, and then they can focus right away. You know what I'm saying? If and if you're doing a pre rig, honestly, you you have a lot of floor space. I mean, frankly, yes, if I'm you saying. think about it, pre so wrapping flats, getting things like it. Like you said, if I can't get the big sheets of the big flats in the door and I've got to build them on site and they're aluminum frame or whatever that might look like. Um, you know, that's a, that, that's a great idea. That's a great way to honestly cut cost in the long run, do a five hour, bring in the gear, load it in, into the, into the ballroom or into the convention center and find an open spot and just start doing the work. And yeah, um, especially if you're wrapping screens, get those screens wrapped and set off to the side because you can you can set them up. Like I can bring some jacks and you just set them up straight up yep. and on jacks till the next day if you can't get your rig, you know the height. If you have to do that, but at least they're built yep. and they're out of the way. That's you right. Know? So, so I love that part of it. If if we could get more into that aspect of it, you know, if I can get into a lot of technical directors and designers on that where we do that, where we have, you know, like if you have your rigging call. And then maybe a scenic call right after that or towards the end of there. So that would help out tremendously. So awesome. that's the one, one good aspect I hope we can start doing more of. Cause that works out. It, it, I mean, the stress level Jordan goes way down because you already have a lot of elements pre ready to go. Yep. And I think, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a lot of that, especially from a for purely, even from a social distancing standpoint where do you really have to have everybody there all at the same time? Um, all the time, you know, right. are there ways that we can adjust scheduling so that people have a little bit more time, but also a little more space, um, just because it, it might be necessary in certain scenarios. So yeah, like the nineties, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that we go back to the nineties and we're, yeah. we, everybody's, there's a pre-rig lighting and then scenic comes under us yep. and then we come back a couple days later and everybody's happy. That's right. I love it. Awesome, dude. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Joe, thanks for being here, brother. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. And, hey, um, and can I say this, y'all? Yeah, man. I appreciate I appreciate you and Joe doing this. This has been amazing. I've listened to every one of them. Um, if everybody can get out there and, and check these out, or there might be even be a section of this where maybe somebody that was like, hey, I'd like to tell my story. Maybe maybe get a freelance guy that's just a labor guy that walks around one time. We can get away with it. One or two of those guys and get on with you. And yep. maybe a union guy or something. I, I, I love what you guys do with this. So keep doing it. Uh, and, and if I can help you out and do another one sometime, feel free. Awesome. Well, appreciate thanks, Chris. It. Appreciate it, dude. Appreciate well, it. hey, yeah. have a great day. Appreciate you coming too, on, buddy. man. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Right on. Y'all have to take it easy. See y'all soon. See you, Chris. Such a great episode today. Really happy that we had Chris on and so excited to get a better understanding of our industry and how it correlates with real life. The people building houses and homes and remodeling things genuinely could come into the AV industry and be a part of such an amazing opportunity. I love the fact that Gig Ready is all about connecting the real world to live events. So please reach out, share with your friends, Tell them more about Gig Ready. Let them know how they can be a part of our community. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, and tell us what we can do better. And have a great day.